take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, they do. but nobody teaches us how. They don't. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we are talking about attachment and we are using our puppies as an example. Yes, I said puppies. So a little shout out to Jethro Tull, who was a... (laughs) American singer, American, yeah, American. and he Rock had and a song singer. called "Thick as Brick," and this guy <laughs> is thick as a brick, so his name is Jethro, right? Is Jethro? Yes, and is. we got him yesterday. Yeah, we. So the, this kind of dovetails with what we're talking about today because we got him yesterday uh, to kind of be a, of a support. To our other puppy, Jasper, which are you going to join us? Come on, Jasper. Come here. Come on. Come up on your bar stool. Or don't. You got to pick him up. I can't hold him. Come on over here. This guy's thick as a brick. I know he's thick as a brick. Come here. Come here. Jasper's thinning. Oh. So this is. There we go. Okay. There we go. This is Lanky Jasper here. There he is. And uh, you know, we got we got him. He's he's now five months old. And um from the same litter is his brother, Jethro. So Jasper was the firstborn and Jethro was the second born. Yes. Yes, you want to get down? Yes. Okay. Oh, you just want to lay down. Okay. So originally we got, we got Jasper and you you know, what we found was that he has Mm -hmm. some pretty severe uh, separation anxiety. So we put him in his cage and he would, uh, he would not like it. He wanted to be around us a lot. Um, and so we thought that getting him a playmate would help with the separation anxiety. So when we'd have to leave, he'd still have part of his pack with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Because whenever we have to travel or anything like that, we would, you know, put him with a Rover and, you know, that would just, it would cause kind of some, some separation and some abandonment. 
So it kind of dovetails with attachment, right? Because, you know, attachment is very huge when it comes to our relationships. Well, obviously, you know, Jasper was attached to his, his mother when he was born. And then how old was he when we got him? 10 weeks. 10 weeks old. So 10 weeks, right? It's very, very young. So we get him at 10 weeks and he immediately starts bonding with us, mm-hmm. creates that attachment with us. Yep. And so that, that attachment, it, it makes him feel secure, it makes him feel safe in this world. And <laughs> they are just, they're, they're wrestling, wrestling over now over there. They're which, so happy. See, he's not, he doesn't have any anxiety because he's with his, his litter mate and he's able to do his own thing right with us in the room so that attachment is is so key mm-hmm. right because without it you have you have no sense of safety and security in this world you know because we're all born helpless right and we all need someone that we can hopefully count on to feed us and take care of us until we're able to do that for ourselves. And specifically for the type of breed that these guys are, they are bred to hunt in teams. So they don't do well by themselves. Horses don't do well alone. So dogs are pack animals. Right. So there's some dogs that are more aloof and easier to be alone and, and that kind of stuff. But this particular breed is, is difficult. Which this breed is a, is called a Jacoby, a Jack Russell, terrier with a beagle and um oh they are just wrestling right now (laughs) so you might hear them on the podcast kind of regularly our neighbor told us that at this point we should just have the puppies be part of the podcast (laughs) and let it be our shtick especially if you hear squeaking (laughs) so when it comes to attachment um there was a lot of research that was done about attachment with children and babies and, you know, Mary Ainsworth uh, was, was part of it. So was Bowlby. And they did the majority of research on attachment and how significant it is mm-hmm. when it comes to the bonding between a parent and a child. Now, there has been in the recent years, you know, this connection that is being made and, and you know, talked about as far as how our attachment or early attachment impacts our future relationships specifically our committed partnership and it is absolutely huge yeah when we need when we are meeting with a couple that is what we are focusing on we are focusing on you know their prior attachment what they were taught and now how is it playing out with their partner and their partner's attachment style so let's talk about the four types of attachment that they've un that they have discovered. So the first one, which I personally don't think anyone has because we live in a world that we're not going to survive. So none of us can really feel that secure all the time. But the first one is secure attachment. Secure attachment is when you believe when a child believes a baby that when they have a need, there is going to be a parent that comes and meets that need and they can count on that and they trust that. But, you know, we all have human parents and the way it works, you know, we're used to getting, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep, but then we get a baby who needs something every two hours. 
So, you know, at some point when they're a couple weeks old, that parent, when that child cries out, that parent is probably going to be in a deep sleep and not hear them maybe for 15, 20 minutes. And at that point, that secure attachment is probably the first time it gets broken. Mm -hmm. And that's with really good parents. I mean, we all go through that. The parents right? are not perfect. Nope. They are, they are going to cause some type of a, a wound, right? And there's going to be this feeling of rejection or abandonment at some point in a child's upbringing. I don't care how perfect a parent is. Which is kind of part of why we're here on earth and what happens in our developmental stages and all the things that we are here to do, to yeah. become. If everything was perfect, we would never learn and grow. No. No, it's this utopian society. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just does not exist. Right? So the second form of attachment is anxious attachment. And anxious attachment happens in one of two ways. One way it happens is if a child isn't sure if the parent is actually going to meet their needs. And in that type of anxious attachment, the child will actually parent the parent to make sure it parents them. Sometimes the parent is there. Sometimes the parent is not. So it's mm -hmm. like you don't know what you can count on. So, you know, that's when a, a kid will be like, hey, mom, don't forget that, you know, I, I have a birthday party this weekend and we have to. What are they lighting off fireworks I, back there? I, I don't. I got to check out the puppies. <laughs> check out the puppies. So, so, you know, they're going to tell their parent, hey, don't forget to sign this thing. I need it for school or I got to bring the treats or something like that. So they're telling the parent, hey, don't forget to parent me. Don't forget the things that that you have responsibility for because I'm too young to have. There's another way that anxious attachment happens, and it happens on the other end when parents overparent their child. So the parent anticipates the child's need before the child has the need. Here, eat, you're hungry, or drink, you're thirsty, or put a coat on, you're cold. And as that child grows up, they don't trust their own feelings. And so they're always looking to their parent, like, is this okay? Which creates a lot of anxiety for that child. So the anxious attachment happens either when they're, they're nervous that the parent's really not going to parent them or when they can't appropriately learn their own age appropriate needs because their parents are doing everything for them. The third style is called dismissive or avoidant attachment. And this is when a child is relatively certain that the parent's really not going to meet their needs. And they'll meet, obviously meet enough that the child stays alive, but that that child grows up going, I'm kind of on my own here. And if I have something that I need, I better figure out how to get it or I have to figure out how to go without it. And that person is going to grow up and be in relationships like, don't really need you. Don't need much from my partner. I'm pretty good by myself. It's nice that you're here, but I don't really need you. And the fourth style, which there, I think I we all have. I was just going to say, they, yeah. they kind of live these parallel lives, right? Mm -hmm. And there's not really much invested in the partnership because it's they're not needed, Yeah. right? So there's no real interdependence that can be created in those kind of relationships. Right. And then the fourth kind, which we probably all have to a varying degree, is a blend of that anxious and avoidant type of attachment. And this is what you see us play out in our relationships all the time, where yeah. we're chasing someone, we're a fear of being abandoned, we are a fear of losing ourselves in the relationship, and we're, we're doing this 
this whole kind of dance. And it's all based on the parent-child attachment. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Yeah. And this is why when oh, we're hey, working with someone, hey, when we're working with someone, that's what we want to know is what did they learn about that? Because every relationship starts as parent-child with another adult. So we have to explain this because yeah. a lot of people, you know, when we say every relationship starts out as parent-child, a lot of people get that you know, wrong and they kind of misinterpret it. I, I heard they, the bells, so he needs to go out. Okay, you got to let the yeah. puppy out. <laughs> so we taught our puppies to ring a set of sleigh bells on the door so that they can go outside. So, yeah. Uh, the halo is in the bedroom. Yeah. And then we have this halo collar, which also, you know, gives a GPS reading on where the puppy is on the property. Anyway, so, you know, when we, when we talk about the impact of attachment in relationships, you know, we are always looking at it from a perspective of every relationship starts out as parent child and people misinterpret it. And they think you're calling me a child or I'm acting like a child in a relationship. No, it's a role that we play. And it's a role that we play because that's what we were taught. That's our first relationship template. You know, as a child and our parent, that is, we are learning about how human beings are relating right now at its very basic level. That's our first relationship, our parent and our, you know, us as a child and how we interact with each other. Well, when we get into a committed partnership, the first thing that we project onto that relationship is the first relationship we are taught, which is the parent-child. And sometimes we play out a parent role to our partner being in a child role, and sometimes it flips. And so now our partner is acting in a parent role and, and we are acting in a child role. And this can come out in a lot of different ways and definitely in conflict. You know, but it can come out in power struggles. It could come out in the uh, imbalance of tasks and imbalance of communication. I, there's just a lot of different ways it plays out. And most often the couples get stuck in looking at the conflict and they don't understand, you know, this dynamic that is occurring and how attachment has a huge role in that. Right. And, and the styles in which we do that. You know, I was just going to say something to Christine who, you know, she has a message. If you're listening to this podcast, we're doing it Facebook Live, which is why we're interacting with Christine. And YouTube Live. And her message says, I miss you guys. Mm. And what she's saying is all about attachment, right? Because when you work with someone in the capacity that we work with someone, our goal is to bond with you. Our goal is, is to be a safe person for you to come and play out some of this attachment stuff so that you can grow beyond those childhood wounds that we get because of attachment, which is why we say we get wounded through relationship and we, and we heal, heal through, through relationship. relationship. Right. You're not stuck. No. You know, just because mm -hmm. that was the attachment style that was demonstrated to you from your caregivers, it doesn't mean that you are destined to play that out with your partner forever. Right. Right. The goal of every relationship is to learn 
about the interaction that you have been taught and to evolve and grow out of it and beyond it. And this is why we miss each other. We miss people because everyone that we form a bond with, we will have that bond for the rest of our lives. It never erodes. And the more energy we put towards it, the stronger it becomes. The more energy we put towards it, the more potentially painful it can become, mm -hmm. which is why our primary partner is the one who's potentially going to hurt us the most and heal us the most. And those two brothers, <laughs> you should have seen them in the, the car yesterday when we were driving back. 15 hours we drove one way to go get this guy. And he's got his arm around his brother. Right. And they hadn't seen each other in three months. And the bond is already there and still there. And not being bonded with people in this world is the most painful uh, situation a human being can be in. Mm -hmm. And when you see really isolated people, I remember having people I was working with, it was so heartbreaking because they would say, I have no one to write down in my emergency contact box on my form. Yeah, that is so and, sad. Yeah. And, you know, those people are facing this world all alone and it's quite painful. So we need each other. We need our friendships, which is one form of bond. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our friendships can replace uh, unhealthy bonds in our family. So, you know, we had that one client that was, uh, she was actually raised in the Philippines where they have nannies there and then they put their children in boarding schools. Right. And so her peers, her friends were closer to her than her actual family. And it's interesting how that plays out. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to say that those, the bonds, right, that we create with people, they are designed for us to learn about ourselves mm -hmm. and as a reflection, learn how to grow and to evolve within ourselves, but then also to grow and evolve within the relationship as well. And too often what we see and what we're seeing more and more of these days are people disconnecting these bonds that they have with people and yeah. completely shutting them down instead of learning what you're supposed to learn from them. So that's what we're talking about, our shadow. Just talking with this about this with a client the other day, she's talking about shadow. And our partners have like these big flashlights and they're going into the dark parts of us and shining it there. And our shadow is something we don't know yet about ourselves because we haven't been in that situation or it's a part of ourself that we don't really want to tend to. Mm. And we want to kind of, push away or deny that part of ourselves. And so our partners are that reflection yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that will, that will put that spotlight exactly where it really is going to be mm -hmm. uncomfortable for us. Yeah. yeah. Or it could happen with other people, not just our partners. But when you cancel that, you, you want to believe that your partner or the right. other person is completely wrong and at fault. But what you're really doing is saying, I don't, I don't want to face that. It's too painful, so I'm I'm not going right. to go there. And, you know, I have to clarify because, you know, I'm not saying that every relationship you should stick out, you know, to at all costs. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that people are so quick to reject other people or to cut people off mm -hmm. instead of pushing through something that is there for growth. Right. For, for, for growth them. and right. understanding yeah. growth within yourself, but then also growth within the relationship as well. 
it really is a great opportunity for growth. Yes. And when we cut it off, we, we block that opportunity for growth. Yeah. And the thing is, now, I'm not saying stay in a, right. a unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship, you know, but we are saying learn from it, yeah. learn from for being sure. in that and, and, and feel the, the pain of that and trust your pain, mm -hmm. trust that you have a real feeling that is uncomfortable and it's bringing something up for you, but don't run away from that, mm -hmm. lean into that. So maybe we should talk a little bit more about how each attachment style is going to show up in an adult mm. relationship. What is that going to look like? All right. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, you know, you uh, grow up in a, a home where you have more of an anxious attachment style with your parent. Right. And so your parent is someone that maybe you can count on. Maybe you can't. Right. They say that they're going to show up and pick you up for soccer practice, but then they show up an hour later, right? And so it it seems like they love you, but you can't really tell. You can't really put your finger on it, right? And so how is that going to impact a future adult relationship? Well, you're going to believe what someone tells you and not what they actually do because mm, yeah. you really want to believe your parents coming to pick you up and on time this right. time. right. And you, you constantly have your hopes up and then you get left, let down and picked up and let down. So you might attract a partner who is not very dependable. Yeah. You know, but they say all the right things. They just might not do all the right things. Right. You know, one thing I want to just talk about really briefly here, I'm getting certified in Carolyn Mace's sacred contracts, which is about archetypal energy and archetypal energy is simply the way human energy takes shape. So, we all have these archetypes that we came here to work on. You know, we have a, a mother archetype. We have a child archetype. We have um, different ones we relate to, maybe a student, maybe a, maybe a vampire, problems with managing energy, right? So that archetype combined with that attachment is going to be how we play that out. So if somebody is a, a companion archetype mm -hmm. and their parent constantly abandons them that's they're going to deal with that wound by finding something else that they can find to be a companion and it might be a bunny rabbit or a dog or it might be an unhealthy partner mm -hmm. based on whatever if that person is a um uh what's a really solo one like a virgin a virgin okay. is someone who's someone yeah. who's complete onto themselves there, maybe they'll go, well, I don't really need you anyways. And so I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure my friend's mom is driving me home because I can't really count on you mm -hmm. and I'm going to manage the world in a different way. And they might like just kind of date here and there, but not really have any type of committed right. they relationship, committed partnership. Right. And, or if they do, they won't have it as a very big priority in their life. Yeah. And so they're, they'll be the ones showing up, not really caring and not really understanding why it feels bad for the other person. Right. Because however their makeup is energetically, they just, it wasn't part of whatever they're working on. So, you know, I think about the, uh, like the dismissive, mm -hmm. uh, attachment style. And, right. I, you know, I, I can, I can see different kind of manifestations, you know, in a person's relationship, if you are brought up by a parent who is dismissive, meaning that they reject you all the time. 
right? You, you definitely can't count on them because if you went and tried to, they would criticize you or they would judge you. And so you you kind of have to go into the corner and protect yourself and, and kind of live your life by yourself, right? So either A, you know, I see that people can either attract someone into their life who is just as, as dismissive, right? And they are going to constantly be trying to get that person's validation and approval. You know, it's like you, it's like you want another chance at trying to get that, that approval. And so you'll either be a people pleaser and you are looking for someone, you know, just to get a little morsel of some type of approval from them or acceptance, you know, or you're going to become a dismissive person yourself. And, you know, we're talking pretty black and white here, mm -hmm. but it actually is so much more complicated because if somebody sure. was 100% dismissive, you wouldn't be in a relationship with them, but they do feed you the kernel every now and then they do pick you up and before they drop you off. Yeah. And so that's where it gets really confusing. And as children, our first go-to is to blame ourselves. Our first go-to is to say, what is it about me that my parent doesn't want to parent me? I better become a better kid. Mm-hmm. And then we play that out in relationships where we can't really see it's the other person's makeup or wound. We think, no, if I could just get me right, they would finally give me what I've always wanted. Right. As though the parent wasn't willing. Right. Instead of the parent was never capable of actually providing that. Right. And this also doesn't put you in a position of being a victim either. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that my partner's dismissive. It's their problem. They need to change, you know, no, this is, it's really about awareness, right? It's understanding the patterns and the dynamics that each person is bringing into the relationship and how it's playing out. And then if both people are willing to become aware of that and willing to change, that's how that transformation happens where each person can then grow and help each other heal those wounds that they they got growing up in in their parental and child relationship. Yeah, one of the patterns we see in relationships are maybe a child was somewhat detached, the parent was detached, and so they grew up pretty isolated or lonely, and they form a bond with their partner, and about 10 years in, at least 10 years in, they're not happy in that relationship anymore, but they still love that person. And the reason for that is that person has been there for 10 years. Mm. That person has shown up every day for 10 years and they didn't have that as a kid. And even if they're playing this dance out with the dismissive and the anxious and the chasing and all that, that need is getting met. That need of just that certainty that this person is here with me every day for 10 years and it heals something in both of them until they want something more. Yeah. And that's when they'll come in and say, we're just not happy anymore. We love each other, but we want something else. We, we And we changed. They don't know they changed. Well, I think that's, that's, that's an important point is yeah. that a relationship is an ever-evolving thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you first meet your partner, you are two very different people than you are now. And if couples don't evolve and change over time and change and evolve together, then they change and evolve apart. Right. Right. So understanding the dynamics of what you're bringing into the relationship is something that's going to unfold over the course of the relationship. 
And there are going to be little kernels of things that are going to come up, you know, as you change, as you evolve and as your partner evolves and changes as well. I just thought of another very common scenario is when you show up and in the beginning, it's really good. There's a nice bond and you're mm. really, you know, hanging out together and good investing. brain chemicals going on. And then a baby gets born. Oh, then the brain chemicals go haywire. <laughs> <laughs> and and then now that attention's going to this baby. Mm -hmm. And it, it creates this. And the attachment and the bonding mm -hmm. and all of that is. Yep. Yeah. So what once was going into the primary relationship is now going into the, the relationship with the child, which is appropriate. But if they can't balance that, then it creates this thing where someone might look for it somewhere else. Yeah. Because these are real needs that we have. And if you don't have the courage to say to your partner, Hey, I, I really miss you. And I'm feeling really lonely and left out and we're out of balance here. You're giving so much to our child mm -hmm. or we both are that we're not, we, we lost each other. Yeah. So that's another really common scenario that happens. And again, it's couples that love each other and they're trying to do the right things, mm -hmm. but somehow they start to erode. That's a yellow flag, right? They erode. Yep that relationship they were putting so much good stuff into in the beginning. And that choice to take the resources and energy and, and bonding and put it towards your children is appropriate and justifiable, mm -hmm. right? It's definitely justifiable. It's, it's explainable, understandable. It just erodes the relationship over time. And a lot of couples, what happens is they stay in that justification and explanation and they say well this is how it's supposed to be and i just have to tolerate that and i have to shift and change everyone told me that when we have kids things are going to change and so this is just part of that so they start to accept it and they start to accept that their relationship has to be that way and it just goes on and on and on and the relationship is eroding over that that long period of time and then what happens is that as the children get older and they are becoming more and more independent, now they're looking at each other like, I don't, I don't have a bond anymore with you. You know, there's, there's no it, connection. There's so, because there's such a sadness as that bond is eroding. It's very painful, very sad. And I think in order to protect that we wall up and we don't, we, we, we pretend we don't need it or yeah. we go get it somewhere else. You know, we join, a group and hang out with our friends or give it to our kids or mm -hmm. we do other things in order to kind of fill that gap. But, um, ultimately that bill comes due and it's, it's a really sad, painful bill to come due. So if you are in that place and you're, you're, you're missing who you guys used to be, then it's not, it's never too soon to start working on that. No, never no. too soon, it, it which is. is why we created the weekend because couples really need help with that. And um, the Relationship Enhancement Weekend. We have changed the title of it to Relationship Enhancement Weekend. Yeah. Yes. Which, which is that was actually because of participants. They gave us that that little tidbit there. So yeah. thank you for that. Last <laughs> participants. And, and for those of you who are not wanting to work on your relationship or are not in a relationship, we're actually going to be doing a weekend in September around this kind of developmental stuff. It'll be around the sacred contracts and the archetypes, and it'll be a, a spiritual weekend getaway, probably in the Denver area. 
which is a little bit easier to get to than where we are. Still securing that. Yeah. If you're interested in that, uh, email us and we'll make sure you get on the list so you get that information. So did we talk about all the attachment sauce? Yeah, by the way, we didn't really talk about secure that much because as Jean mentioned, we don't really believe that anyone out there is just 100% secure and good. It's right. just Well, it's I would say that, humane. you know, the anxious attachment where uh, the parent is doing too much and the child doesn't learn to trust themselves, that, that's your 30-year-old that's living in your basement. <laughs> they're they're not able to form a relationship with another person sadly i mean we're talking extremes right at an extreme place that's how that plays out and most of us are in that category of playing out the fear of abandonment fear of engulfment or being swallowed in the relationship that's the dismissive avoidant slash anxious kind of the hodgepodge of everything right so um, as as we mentioned, you know, knowing about these attachment styles and how it plays out in relationships is not meant to diagnose or become uh, a static thing. All right. It's not permanent. It's, it's designed for you to become more aware. And if we are not aware in our relationships, then we cannot change. Everyone is capable of bonding and everyone is capable of creating stronger and healthier bonds. If that weren't true, we wouldn't have a job. That's the work that we do mm -hmm. is help people go through that. So no matter where you're at, you can change that. And you can bond to animals as well, which is kind of why we started out with our dogs and what they add to our lives, which is why people that have pets tend to be healthier physically, emotionally, mentally. And I see one of them here. All right. I'll pull Hopefully one up while we go through this. Outdoor. We can find the other one. And Jasper. the other one is, that's this Jasper. This is Jasper, the firstborn. The one that's not as thick as everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you've been listening to this podcast and you'd like to see the video with the pups, where do they go to see that? Facebook, YouTube? You, it's it's broadcasting live right now on right, Facebook. But if they are listening to this later, yep. uh, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, LinkedIn—that's where it is under at Couple Synergy. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.